Does anybody remember this, uh, this classic board game? We got a picture. Remember that? Mousetrap. Uh, man, I will never forget and get in this game for Christmas. My brother and I were so pumped when we opened the box because we had seen the commercial. And those kids were so excited to catch mice. By the way, I think the biggest ripoff in the history of the world might be the kids on board game commercials. Because they are all just overexcited about board games. So we play this game. We set it up. Uh, basically, if you've ever played it uh, or never played it, basically the way it works, you got these little plastic mice pieces. They're your game pieces. And you work like any board game through like a map. But while you're playing, you set up pieces of this mechanism and they all interlock and they so like when you when you get it all set up the goal is you created a trap that's going to trap a mouse because that's a good thing to do with mice and so like it starts like you turn this crank I think and it like swings like a boot that hits a bucket and there's like a marble that falls down a chute that hits a thing that hits a thing that hits a thing that hits another thing and eventually the mouse trap falls it didn't take long for my brother and I to realize that this game was not fun um it was not fun, but it was cool, and so I don't think we ever really played the game more than once. We just would build the trap, and then instead of trying to catch the little plastic mice, we'd catch anything else we could, like Hot Wheels cars, G.I. Joes. I remember trying to catch our real-life gerbil inside of it one time. He did not like that, um, and so that, that, that's an idea. This type of mechanism is called a Rube Goldberg machine. You familiar with that word? Rube Goldberg. It's like a chain reaction type mechanism. You should YouTube it. There's some phenomenal ones that have been built. Um, and it's based on the premise that, you know, one thing affects another thing, and in the end, you've got a desired result, or maybe an unexpected result. That's, that's just kind of the Rube Goldberg machine idea. We call it a chain reaction. And I think we've all experienced chain reaction. Uh, if you're a kid, you set up dominoes, you knock them, set them up, knock them down. That's how dominoes works, right? You might have been driving down the highway, you see five cars piled up <laughs> on the side of the road. You're like, that dude didn't pay attention, which caused this guy's insurance to go up, and so forth and so on. And so it's like there's a, there's a chain reaction. Even our very like lives and the moments we're living in right now are ultimately the result of a massive string of chain reactions. Think about the people that you know and they're your best friends with. How do you even know them? I'll give you my own personal example. I could go deep into the rabbit hole, but I could go this deep and make the point. So my dad was in the U.S. Air Force, and eventually he was stationed at Seymour Johnson Air Force Base in Goldsboro, North Carolina. Through a series of events, we had some connection in Wilson, North Carolina, so we moved to Wilson, North Carolina. Uh, in 1990 or so, we moved to a new school district, and I ended up in this specific school district, this specific high school. I also ended up in this specific algebra class where I failed algebra. Uh, my teachers, instead of giving me an F, just made me take the class again, which I think is the same thing as failing. I'm not sure they did me a favor in that way, but in another way they did because that put me a year behind my classmates in high school in math class. And it put me in a certain geometry class where I met the cutest little girl I had ever seen in my life, who today is my wife. Now, what would have happened if my dad had never joined the Air Force, or he'd never been stationed at Seymour Johnson, or if I'd never eventually moved to Wilson, or he'd never taken the job that he took, or if we'd never gone to the school district, or we never went to a certain high school, or I never failed algebra? My kids today are very thankful for how terrible I was at math in high school. I mean, chain reaction, chain reaction. Everything that we do leads to something else. And so for the next four weeks, we're going to be talking about this journey that we go on in our faith. Because I believe that God has set into motion a plan that includes each one of us. And that you've got a role in it and then that you have a role in affecting someone else's life. And there's a specific series of events. And we're all part of it here today. It's, an, it's a series of events that brings hope to the homeless, hopeless. It's the series of events that brings uh, healing to hurting. It brings forgiveness of sins. It brings purpose for living. It brings hope for eternity. This is a huge 
thing that God's got us involved in. And I think that every one of us has a role to play in that series of events. Every week we look to the Bible for answers to life's most important questions. And so if you've got your Bible with you today, go ahead and grab it. Uh, We're going to be in Matthew chapter 28. So if you want to grab your Bible or flip it open on your app and scroll down. Uh, If you don't have a Bible of your own, um, we got free ones we give away in the lobby. Make sure you grab one before you leave today. We'll have all the scripture on the screen behind me as well. Uh, But we're in Matthew chapter 28. While you turn there... Uh, let me just give you a little background. Uh, Matthew is in the last third of our new, new or English Bibles in the New Testament. Uh, and it, it's a book that's a biography of Jesus' life. And at the end of Matthew, that's Matthew chapter 28, we find Jesus in one of his very last teaching seminars with uh, his closest followers, his disciples. And as he's sitting there with these guys, he's got some really big instructions for them, something that we call the Great Commission. This teaching series is called Chain Reaction living the Great Commission. And the whole goal of this series is is to ask the question, are we doing what Jesus asked us to do? If you're here for the first time today, or maybe you're just exploring church and God and even just faith in general, uh, and and you heard that this is church for people who don't like church, and you're like, hey, I I wanted to come into this place because I heard it was a safe place. I want you to know this is a great day for you to be here because you can kind of see what it's all about. Like, why we do this? What's the purpose of all of this? I believe that it brings life change. And so, Here we are, Matthew chapter 28, and we're going to start out just by reading two verses, verse 16 and 17. We're going to eventually get through, I think, verse 20. Um, But we're going to start out meeting the people on the stage, and these are the people that Jesus meets with. So here we go. It says, then the 11 disciples went to Galilee. That's a city in the northern part of the area where Jesus was working. They go to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. And when they saw him, they worshipped him. But some doubted. That's the stage. It's been set. When I read this uh, earlier, when I was kind of getting this talk ready, something struck me as weird. And that last phrase was it, but some doubted. Uh, Because this is an interesting thing to think about. Jesus, their leader, had just recently been dead. He He was recently dead. And now he's not dead anymore. And so when I see that, I'm like, wow, I mean... This is a pretty good guy to get behind. Like, you, why are you doubting? I mean, you would think that this guy, if this guy can get it done, it's, I mean, if it can get done, this guy can get it done because he just rose from the dead. He's got power. So why is it that these guys were doubting? And so then I began to read and kind of learn a little bit, and, and uh, I learned a lot about this. So, so let's first back up and understand their doubt. Um, and I think this is something that can relate to all of us in the room today. Understanding their doubt, their leader had died, Okay. He had died because in in many ways he was an enemy of the state. There were people in high places who wanted to see him dead. So they literally conspired to have him assassinated, and they took some sketchy legal channels to do it, and that's how Jesus ends up hanging on a cross and dying. And when he's dead, these disciples, his closest followers, they see this thing, and they have a funeral because he's gone. And they put him in a grave, and then you know what they do? They split. They scatter. It says that they are scared. And it's understandable because the same people that had executed, assassinated, plotted against Jesus, they were going to be after these these followers of Jesus next. Okay, we got your leader. We're going to come after you. So they hide. But then something crazy happens. Jesus begins to appear to people. If you've ever been to a funeral, I want to remind you how freaked out you would be if grandma shows up at the breakfast table the next morning. You follow? Like, this is weird. And so there's this one, they, they... They understandably doubted at first. They were skeptics. There was one guy who goes, all right, listen, maybe this isn't Jesus. Maybe it's just his ghost. Like, obviously it can't be Jesus because he 
he died. We had a funeral for him. So Jesus says, you know what? I understand that. Um, why don't you come touch my skin? Touch the places where some nails were, were driven through my wrist. Touch the place where a spear had been driven into my heart to be sure that I was dead. And this guy's like, okay. Uh, I, I don't know much about ghosts, but I'm thinking you're not a ghost. And then Jesus does some other things. He shares meals with them. Ghosts have no reason to eat. And then Jesus begins to show up in all kinds of different places and traveling with the disciples for several more days again to eventually appear to over 500 people that can confirm that this guy is alive after having been dead. And because of this, the disciples were emboldened. I mean, they were ready to go. This guy rose from the dead. I will follow him wherever he goes. And so we land in Matthew chapter 28, and it says they saw him, and they were excited to see him, so they worshiped him. Understandably, the guy just rose from the dead. He's claiming to be God in the flesh. I'm going to worship him. But then it said, but some doubted. So then I go back, and why, why are you doubting now? And uh, I learned some things. There's only one other time this word doubted is used uh, in the original Greek in the book of Matthew. And it's in a story that if you've been in church long, you might be familiar with it. And if you haven't, you might have heard about it. There's a guy named Peter who walks on the water. You see this? There's a big storm that's going on. And Jesus kind of shows up walking on the water. And Peter has got all kinds of faith. And he's like, hey, Jesus, if that's you, let me come to you. And Jesus is like, bring it. And so Peter says, okay. And he steps out of a boat onto a stormy sea and begins to walk on the water. This, I need to point out, is a miracle. People don't walk on water. It's not, unless it's, a, unless it's like a, a magic trick and there's actually something there like, he walks on the water, emphasizing the level of faith that Peter had and what God could do with him. But then something happens with Peter. He gets scared, and he sinks into the water. Now, every one of us would have to admit this guy has a lot of faith. The guy's walking on water in the middle of a storm. There's no reason to believe that he's not going to drown. But then he sinks. Jesus walks up to him and reaches down and picks him up out of the water. And this is what Jesus says. He says, you of little faith... Why did you doubt? There's that word again. Doubt. If you want to read it for yourself later this week, that's in Matthew chapter 14. starts in verse 22. It's a great story. Why did you doubt? Was it that Peter had no faith? Was, it, was, was, was Jesus like slapping him on the hand? Ah, you bad boy. I, I, as I read it and I understand the word doubt a little bit better and kind of get into some of the other uses of it in the Bible, I learned that there's a little bit more to our doubt than just having complete loss of faith. And it's this. It's not saying I don't believe in Jesus. It's not saying I don't believe that he can take care of me or that he can even do miracles or things like that. It's just saying I'm just not sure that I got what it takes. I'm good with you. I believe in you, but I'm just not sure that I've got what it takes. Can anybody resonate with that this morning? Like, I'm sure that God's big, but me, I'm little, and I've messed up, and I got problems. And the cool thing about Jesus is that he knows that about us. He knows that we've got doubts. The biggest lesson I learned from this moment is that doubt isn't in itself evil. <laughs> to have misgivings or, or misunderstandings about what I can accomplish is not evil. It's natural. But it's a thing that we learn to overcome as we follow Jesus and learn more about him. And so this is what I love about Jesus. He knows that about us. And so in the next sentence, we're in Matthew 28. We just read verses 16 and 17. We're going to move to verse 18 now. And right after he says, some doubted, Jesus said, all right, let me give you some encouragement. Look at this next verse. He says, all authority on heaven and on earth has been given to me. This sentence is crucial. It's crucial to understanding Jesus. It's crucial to understanding Christianity and faith. It's crucial to understanding the, the broad story of the Bible. All authority on heaven and on earth is given to Jesus. Jesus says, I have all the authority. I love the way that Paul says it. Uh, he's one of the apostles as well in Philippians chapter 2, verses 9 through 11. He says, 
Basically the same thing, but with more words. He says, therefore God exalted him, talking about Jesus. God exalted Jesus to the highest place. And he gave them the name that is above every other name. You hear that? Authority, above every other name. And that at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow. And every, uh, in heaven and on earth. And every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. All authority on heaven and on earth has been given to me. You got doubts? That's fine. I got authority. Last week, um, George Beyer, he's going to be one of our elders uh, when we ordain our elders on March 4th, uh, but uh, George, uh, he did something that we've been wanting to do for a while. He drove up to Sonic up here, where is it, that way, and uh, Sonic is like right on Market Street, and it's got some prime real estate that we could potentially put up a sign. Hey, Venture Church meets at AMC Theater. We've never really had a good place to put a sign uh, all week long, and so many times people find about it, find us out about us and go, I mean, I didn't know you were there. So he goes up and he's like, I want to get permission to put one of our signs there all week. And, and he can't find anybody, and there's only this one dude who's in like a pickup truck, and he's working on Sonic's sign. And uh, George's like, okay, I'll talk to this guy. So George walks up to him and says, hey, man, uh, yeah, I was just out here wondering if I want to talk to somebody about putting a sign up. I uh, wonder if you could you know, give me some advice about somebody I could talk to. And the guy goes, what you want to do? And so George explains the whole situation to him. This is where we are. This is what we do. Uh, we're looking for a place to put up a sign. And the, the maintenance guy working on the sign goes, yeah, that seems good to me. Yeah, you should put the sign up. <laughs> and George, of course, George, you know, if, as you would do, he goes, okay, well, that's nice that the maintenance guy is cool with me putting the sign up. But he says... Oh, cool, well, um, I don't, do you have the authority to, to give me the permission to do that? Is there someone else I could talk to? And the maintenance guy says, yeah, I think I can approve that because I, uh, I own this Sonic. Uh, I'm the owner. <laughs> and then George is like, oh, cool, yeah. I mean, yeah, I'm glad. Thanks, <laughs> you know. Uh, and so this is cool. Uh, he has the authority to do that. It makes sense that, uh, first of all, I, I love the, the fact that a leader is willing to pick up a wrench and a hammer. I, I, if, you're, if you're a leader and you can't do that, like, I won't follow you. I'm sorry. Like, you need to be able to get your hands dirty with me. And so I love that about him. Um, but this thing about authority is huge. Authority goes a long way. When you have the permission to speak into something and to give permission or deny permission for something, and if you're impressed by the guy who can give us permission to put a sign up at Sonic, Jesus says, all authority. In heaven and on earth has been given to me. You got doubt? You're not sure you got what it takes to do what God wants you to do with your life? Join the club. But Jesus says, I got that. What are you afraid of? Are you afraid people are going to think you're weird because of your faith? That's right. I've got authority over that. Are you, are you afraid of an addiction that's holding you hostage and you just can't break it? He says, look, I've got authority over that. You just got to come to me and let me take control of that. This is something that I've found throughout history. No government, no school board, no army has ever been able to silence the message of Jesus. Because not only did he come into our world to do some maintenance, pick up a wrench and a hammer, he's the boss. All authority on heaven and on earth has been given to him. And so with this authority, he sends his followers on a mission. You got doubts? Cool. I got authority. And he gives them a word. And we're going to find this, this word in the next passage. This word is kind of the, it's the mission of the church. And I think sometimes we miss it and we forget it and we tuck it under the, you know, the paperwork of all the other stuff we want to do. But this is the mission of the church. Let's just see if we can find it here. Matthew chapter 28, we're going to start at verse 19 now. Jesus says, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. There's a word he gives us. I don't know if you call it. There's a lot of words here, a lot of good words. 
the, the biggest, most active verb in that whole sentence is the word go. Therefore, go. Go make disciples. Go teach them. Go baptize them. Uh, go, uh, go lead them along and tell them I'm going to be with you always. But go. So much of our life is spent waiting. A couple of weekends ago, not this past weekend, but the weekend before last, my uh, sister-in-law had a baby, and we had to go to this waiting room and just wait and wait and wait. I'm like, couldn't you just call us like when it was all done? Like, I've seen babies before. We don't have to wait. But everybody else was like, we're going to wait for hours. But you wait. You know, we spend so much of our life waiting and waiting. We wait to grow up. We wait to finish school. Then we wait to meet that someone special. And we, we wait to get the promotion. And we wait finally for retirement. And then we wait for the next Star Wars movie to come out. Like we're always, we're waiting and we're waiting and we're waiting. We're in this constant process of waiting. But Jesus says, listen, this is what I want you to do. Stop waiting. Go. I've got authority. I can get you through any boundary. I can get you over any obstacle. But you got to go. Go into the world. Make disciples. And that's our directive. He says, I get it. I get that you don't feel like you got what it takes. But here's what I need you to do. I need you to go. Okay, go and do what? Well, Jesus, like any good leader, gives us some specifics. He says, go. The first thing he says is this. Go and make disciples of all nations. What does that mean? Disciples of all nations. I mean, I, don't, I live in one nation. How am I going to make disciples of all nations? Well, you don't, have, you don't do it all by yourself. We take turns and different people go different places. But a disciple is a follower, a learner. That word disciple means someone who learns or someone who follows. And so that's why when we see Jesus' disciples, they are quite physically, quite literally following him. Like, where are you going, Jesus? All right, I'll go there. I mean, that's, that's, that's what you do. And the way you make disciples uh, it's not making them pass a class. It's not making sure they read all the words of the Bible first. It's, it's saying, listen, I'm following Jesus. Come follow me. <laughs> you follow me, you become a disciple because you're a follower. I'm a disciple because I'm a follower. I want you to follow in the footsteps of, of Jesus. That's what it means to make disciples. What little corner of the kingdom do you, are you part of? Is your corner of the kingdom like, hey, look, I, I'm a single mom and I got, I got some kids that I'm just trying to teach about God. Guess what? That's your corner of the kingdom. Guess what you can do? You could probably find other single moms and like let them follow you doing that. <laughs> hey, look, we're just trying to do this together. Some of you work like as a volunteer on a Sunday morning. You're like, man, I, don't know, I make coffee. I make coffee on Sunday mornings. That's what I do. How do I make disciples? Make, hey, listen, um, I make coffee on Sunday morning. You want to come make coffee with me on Sunday morning? And they're just with you. But what happens is when we follow people and we hang out with them, we learn about their character. We learn about what makes them tick and we learn about their faith. And we got to be deliberate about that. Being a disciple is being a learner. Being a disciple is being a follower. I love that Jesus doesn't say, here, listen, therefore, sit here and wait for people to come to you so that you can make disciples. That's not what he says. He says, therefore, go. Out there. They're not in here. This is a movie theater. Go. They're out there. They didn't come to church today. <laughs> go. Make disciples. It's, it's so clear, and I'm speaking to me as much as I'm speaking to anybody. We've got to go. It's, let me ask you a question. What brings you here today? We're a church that's like, we have our quote-unquote fifth birthday in September. And we started meeting in a, uh, like a living room before that, but like we're, we're less than 10 years old. There's churches in this town that could be our great-great-great-great-great-great-grandparents. Like there's, the church is, is, is old, 2,000 years old. We're a very young church, and so it's interesting to me sometimes to hear the story, like what led you here? There's something that brought, did you grow up in church, and so when you like moved here, or you saw there was a church, you're like, okay, I need to be in church, that's cool, that might have been what brought you here. What, did you have a co-worker or a roommate who one day just said, listen, let me tell you about what happened in my life when I started learning about Jesus, and maybe that's kind of what got you involved in church, maybe you had a parent, maybe you just hit a like rock bottom one day, you're like, this ain't working, I gotta do something different, so you just, you heard about church, so you came, maybe you found 
this church or any church through like Google or Facebook. Like that's how you found it. Something or someone or some circumstance brought you to the place that we are today. And I believe that there was no accident in that. I believe that God has each one of us here on purpose and for a purpose. Because we're part of a big chain reaction that began when Jesus started the ball rolling 2,000 years ago. As lives began to change and it began to snowball into people's lives. And people began to find hope and healing and faith and purpose and all these things through the love of Jesus. Something got you to this moment. We started out talking about the game Mousetrap, you know, at the very beginning. And Rube Goldberg machines and dominoes falling down. And, And I love the lessons we can learn from dominoes. Set them up, knock them down. Believe it or not, there are a lot of lessons built into playing with dominoes. And one of my favorite ones is the concept of what some people have called the lead domino. Uh, Life coaches use it when people help you set goals. They use this concept, lead domino. If you want to accomplish this, okay, what's the lead domino you're going to do first? You're not going to be the president of the United States of America, but you might want to start by taking some public speaking classes. You know, it's like there's something that's going to get the ball rolling, the lead Domino, And I think there, if there are things that are true in life that we can apply to our spiritual lives, we'd be foolish not to think about this, okay? Lead domino. This is cool. Someone was the lead domino that got you into this room this morning. It might have happened last week. It might have happened 25 years ago. You might have found us on Facebook or Google, and you're like not even into church, and you're like, oh, I heard this was church for people who don't like church. What the heck is that? I'll go give it a, la- a laugh, you know, and check it out. Um, Over 50 years ago, there was a group of people uh, in eastern North Carolina, actually the northeastern part of our state. They they got together and they said, our state needs more churches to reach people who don't know about Jesus. And this group of people got together. They called themselves, listen to this poetic title, the Eastern North Carolina Christian Men's Fellowship. Just rolls off the tongue. Eastern North Carolina Christian Men's Fellowship. Over 50 years ago, uh, and, and seven years ago, they met with me, and they said, hey, we'd like to start a new church, and Wilmington looks like a good place. Would you like to partner with us in that? And so... Check this out. Even if you found us on Google or Facebook, somebody loved you enough 50 years ago to start that ball rolling, to hit that lead domino, the lead to the series of events that brought us here today, but not to stay so we can then go and make disciples of of all nations. Jesus never calls us to do anything that he didn't do in the first place. Everything he calls us to do, love people. I loved people. Be with people who are marginalized and outcasts. He spent time with people who are marginalized and outcasts. Be uh, generous. Be kind. Be forgiving. Like all these things that Jesus says we should do, every single one of them. He's like, but I'm going to show you how. I'm going to do it first. And that's why I love First uh, John chapter 4 is a great passage about God's love. And, and if we're saying, hey, we need to love people, Jesus says, listen, I'm telling you to love people. But I, I did this first. And I'm just going to read one of the shortest verses in the Bible. First John four nineteen says, we love Because he first loved us. Jesus was the lead domino. And he calls all of us to say, listen, I want you to be a lead domino in somebody else's life. Get out there. Go. So that was the first thing. Go make disciples of all nations. And then he gives us two other little directives that go along with it. So let's just kind of review it again. Therefore, go make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. We spent a a whole like lesson talking about this several weeks ago, but this idea of baptism is about a moment where we decide between us and God, hey, I want to make this official. I want to make this forever. I'm going to go through this, you know, moment where I say, this is the moment I look back to and say, this is when I gave it all. 
just like a wedding ceremony or something like that. And this is why this baptism moment happens for us. And so if you're in a place in your life where you've never been baptized, that's something that maybe you want to talk to somebody about. There's going to be some guys you can talk to after the service uh, while we sing some songs. Uh, you can feel free to go do that. But he says, go baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. In other words, help people make their official forever commitment to me. Like, don't just let them sit there. Help them commit. He also says, and teach them to obey everything I've commanded you. Have you ever been to a training or worked at a job where you didn't really know what your, your responsibilities were? That's so frustrating. What, what am I here? What am I supposed to do? And then like you get in trouble because you didn't do things right. I love that Jesus says, listen, teach them. Show them. That's what discipleship is. It's not hitting someone in the face with a Bible and being like, conform. It's like, no, no, let me. I love one passage in Scripture that says, teach truth in love. And we come in and we say, listen, this, this is why. This is why. This is when. This is how. Oh, I don't know the answer to that question. Let's learn together. That's what it means to teach. He says, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach them to obey everything that I've commanded you. You know, leading people to Jesus isn't about getting them to come to a church service. It's not. In fact, I'm 100% convinced that you could come to church service for decades and never become a disciple of Jesus. Some people have called this being a fan, not a follower. Go, go, rah, 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 Jesus, I got the t-shirt, like everything, we're good. But like, how's it impacting your life? How's it affecting your daily decisions? How's it making you decide how to spend your money and how to spend your time and how to spend your relationship energy? This is what it means to be a disciple. And this means, this is so cool, you, yes, you, each one of you, you don't have to be like a professional Christian, preaches on Sunday or plays in some band somewhere, starts a church or is a missionary. No, every one of us has a role to play in leading someone to Jesus. And, and I've learned this, that um, it's different speeds with different people. Sometimes it's like a, a, a sprint. You walk up like, hey, uh, can I tell you what God's done in my life? And they're like, please tell me what God's done in your life. I'm in. <laughs> Other people, it's, it's more of a marathon. Hey, listen, can I tell you what God's done in my life? Uh, no, shut your face. Okay, cool, I'll be back. <laughs> and you find a different way because it's about being deliberate, it's about being intentional, it's about saying, I just, I love you, I love you so much that I want to, I want to tell you. The question I have for each one of us to wrestle with throughout this series, the Chain Reaction series is this. Who can you right now begin leading closer to Jesus? I'm not talking about you going right now, cold turkey, say, hey, listen, the, the water's fine. Want to get baptized? Like, and drag you to church, kicking and screaming. Like that, no. Who can you begin the process with? Stop waiting and go. Break the ice, have a conversation. It's about putting on our calendars. It's about saying, hey, listen, uh, I've been wanting to get to know you lately, man. Can we get together? Just grab a cup of coffee, go watch a game, go sit at the bar, whatever we got to do to spend some time together. With the intention of saying, I'm going to love this person enough to lead them to follow Jesus. Let me ask you this. If you have a family member, a loved one, a friend who is wrestling with, you know, an addiction or something dangerous, what are you going to do? Are you just going to sit and be like, eh, they'll figure it out? Or have you, like I have many times with many of my loved ones, are you going to set up time to talk to them about it? And listen, this is uncomfortable, but we just got to talk. Are you good? Are you okay? Because this is what I've been noticing. And there's an urgency to that because we see, like, I mean, this is going to tear their life apart. But, guys, you know what's even more urgent than that? That people know the love of Jesus and that they come into his family and that they can be healed and then they can be, find purpose and they can join the kingdom of God, not just now but forever. Who can you right now begin to be the lead domino for and head out and tell them 
about Jesus. I want to read our passage again as we wrap up. Matthew chapter 28, verse 16. You hear it with New Year's now, okay? Because we've, we've unpacked it pretty good. Then the 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus told them to go. And when they saw him, they worshipped him. Some doubted. As Jesus said to them, look, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. So therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. Paul's, but I'm just not sure that I got what it takes. But some doubted. And he's got this last sentence. He says, and surely, I'm with you always to the very end of the age. I'm not asking you to do anything that I haven't already done, and I'm not going to leave you hanging. But let's go, and let's keep this chain reaction moving so people can know the love of God. Guys, Venture Church, we are part of a movement that has rippled through this world for the last 2,000 years of history, changing lives, changing cities, changing governments, most importantly, leading, leading people individually, one-on-one, to the love of God so they can assure their place in heaven for all eternity and be active in his kingdom here on earth. And this is really cool. You and I, we are uniquely placed in this spot in Wilmington. We're part of a brand new church. It happens to be that our slogan has been, church for people who don't like church. Our, one of our purposes is to tear down the walls that have kept people away from church and from God so that we can build a bridge with Jesus, of course, to the thing that matters most, to the love of Jesus. We, we want to be a church that if nobody else would come to any other church in town, they might give us a chance, not even necessarily on Sunday morning. But with you, in your living room, at your barbecue pit, in a coffee house, at your favorite restaurant, at your kid's birthday party. That they could spend some time with you and go, tell me about what this God thing is about with you. Because I, mean, I heard some stuff, I've seen crazy stuff on the news. There's churches, I read their sign and I'm like, I definitely don't want to hang out there. So, but what, like, what, what is Jesus about? I want to be clear, I'm not knocking other church. Their family, one king, one kingdom. I say it all the time if you know me well. But I love that we are uniquely placed in this city that our purpose, our goal is to say, listen, we want you to give Jesus, just give him a try. If nothing else, just through watching him from my life. And each one of us has a role to play in helping people know and be known by God. Will you be a lead domino? Don't wait for the preacher to do it. Don't wait for the, the dude or the lady sitting next to you to do it. You know people that we don't know. And you don't have to know it all, but some doubt it. It's fine. He's the man. He's going to bridge every gap that you come to. Will you be the lead domino? Will you go? I want to pray for us this morning. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for this uh, invitation to join you on a mission. Um, gosh, I'm just not worthy. Uh, so many of us stand there and we doubted and we doubt and we wonder why in the world would you use us and then we remember man what better testimony could we have for your love and for your ability to change people than when someone sees a a jacked up person like each one of us and says oh if God can work with that he can definitely, definitely work with me Lord I pray for our city that we can be out there not just focus on what happens on a Sunday morning or at our small group or at our, in our little corner of the world, 
but focus fully, intently on helping people learn to follow you. God, we love you. And I just ask that we be a church that's about a chain reaction. That there's somebody in this room this morning who's here for the first time, or they're just kind of seeking God, or they're wondering how to take next steps, or maybe they're trying to get out of a bad situation and they don't even know where to go. That we, we can be a safe place for that journey. Um, we love you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.